Um, we just spent the last couple of days in a room with uh, a bunch of super smart, brilliant, anointed people of God. And I mean that. And Till and I sit there, listen to all these people. And we look at each other and we go, why would they want us to speak to them? If anything, we should come here and sit down and listen to them. Because we're just like amazed of how brilliant. It's like, God, why do you give some people so many things and so many talents and give some of us a few things? You know, it's like, wow. So it's, it's humbling to even, you know, stand up here to say anything. And to you guys as a community, I mean, we look at you guys, the way you're growing in the Lord, the way you guys are loving on each other, the way you guys are doing community, the way you care for each other, the way you take care of stuff, the way you take care of the house of God and the, and the affairs of the kingdom. We look at you and we go like, oh, my gosh, if we could just be, you know, half of what they are. So it is humbling to come in and just even begin to speak to you because we look up to you and we're following you, if you will, in so many ways. But... We know God does speak to our hearts and he uses us. So I'm, I'm asking the Lord I, this morning, as, as soon as I got up, I said, Lord, challenge us this morning and change us beyond just, you know, making us feel better and, and, and saying, oh, that was great. I feel so much better. I'm okay for another week. I'm like, no, God, I, I, I'm asking for transformation in the deepest places of our hearts that our thinking patterns would be, would suffer revolution as we come together that we would arrive at our divine destination. There's a divine destination for each of us today. And that our minds be set in such a, such a comprehensive mode of understanding that we would respond to the word as we hear it. You know, That would be like a quick work that we would hear the word and immediately put it into practice. And God would cause us to just advance you know, into a place of arriving of our destination for this day. And for this week, if I could put a message or a title to the message that I have for you this morning, it would be, he sees you. He sees you. He, the Lord, he sees you or his eyes are on you. Uh, There's a scripture that uh, I asked him to put up over there. They have the New American Standard. Uh, The the different translations kind of, you know detail it in a different way but basically the eyes of the lord they move throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his or loyal to him in some translations and then speaking to king asa god is saying you have acted foolishly and you'll have some issues and problems talking directly to asa king asa on that but but basically, the eyes of the Lord run through and throughout the earth, back and forth, looking, looking for hearts that are filled with loyalty toward Him. And then God takes pleasure in showing Himself strong on their behalf. God looks for loyalty, and God responds to loyalty. God loves loyalty. God entered a covenant of loyalty with us from the beginning of, of, of days, you know, before even the foundations of the earth. He entered or he placed himself into a covenant with us. And the number one item on top is loyalty. God said, I will be loyal to you. 
when you will not be loyal to me. I will stay loyal to this covenant. I will never leave you, never forsake you. Loyalty is like a big, big item in the kingdom of heaven. Loyalty in the heart of God is like a big deal. All the other things we could do that could impress God are good, but not as good as loyalty. God responds to loyalty. And then here, the word of the Lord is specific. The eyes of the Lord are looking, running through, throughout the earth, back and forth, scanning the earth, looking. God is actively looking. He's like searching for loyalty. And when he finds it, he wants to show himself strong on the behalf of those people that have a loyal heart. So when God finds loyalty, God responds with strength and sovereignty and power. It's just this beautiful exchange that takes place. This scripture has been such a, an anchor to me in, in, in times when, in, you know, you, you run to those times where, well, nobody really knows what I'm dealing with. And then I remind myself, but the eyes of the Lord see you. Well, I don't know what to do next. I don't see what I'm going to do, but the eyes of the Lord see you. You know, those places that you need, you need somebody to say, it's okay. I understand. I see what you're going through. And sometimes there's no one. And then I remind myself, the eyes of the Lord see you. Such deep truth in here. God looks for loyalty and his eyes are open to see us. What happened to King Asa? King Asa was a great guy. He was a, he was a man of God. A lot of great stories about King Asa. If you study his life, just amazing stuff that he did. But it got to a point that King Asa thought, I want to look good and I want people to see me. And I want people to know that I'm capable of handling something. You wanted for a moment for people to see him as one capable of doing something. And he entered into some deals with some people, with the wrong people, at the wrong time, with the wrong heart motives, and he got into some trouble. And then God reminded him, because you've done this, you know, you'll have wars and you'll deal with stuff that you're not supposed to be dealing with. You were not made for this. But because you wanted to look good so much, you wanted people to see you in your confidence. And God kind of like is talking to him, get out of there because... That's not what you need. You need the eyes of the Lord to see you. And you need the Lord to show himself strong on your behalf, even if no one sees it. So that's kind of like the background there. But we all know that anytime we prioritize being seen by others or receiving significance from others, things are not going to go well for us. Right? We already know that. If anything, being seen by or wanting to be seen by others is... A sign of immaturity. It's a sign of like, man, there's some, we, we don't, it's unbelief. We don't even believe in the sovereignty of God because we desperately look for others to see us do something and be significant and be recognized. In our search for significance, at times we make the same mistake King Asa made. We've been walking with God. We understand God is the only one that can deliver us. But, man, it feels good to have somebody to just come and say, you're really good, you know. You, man, the way you played the drums today, I'll watch you. I saw when your hands were up there in the cage. I'm like, wow, look at that drummer. He's got his hands up. He's worshiping and playing, multitasking. That's, that feels good, Gary, to hear that. Right? Nothing wrong with that. But, but at times, life presses us to a place even, even our call of God and the place in God where God is calling us to sometimes takes us to a place 
man, that it feels lonely and there's no affirmation and there's no assurance and there's no, it's like, does, it, does anybody even understand where I am? Does anybody even get it, you know? And it's like, well, I already spoke and they already prayed for me. I already got the counsel, but does anybody even understand and see and see what I'm going through? I'm here this morning to remind you of what you already know. The eyes of the Lord see you. The eyes of the Lord see you. His eyes are on you. His eyes are on you. Just a reminder. God loves loyalty and he's looking at you. He's impressed by loyalty. And very often we want people to see us. And sometimes because we want that so much, God pulls us to a place where no one can see us. Because he wants us to see him without distractions. He wants to remove all unbelief from our hearts in preparation for the things he has for us to do. There was a man uh, by the name of Bartimaeus. He was blind. He was on a roadside of Jericho and Jesus was coming through. And he couldn't see Jesus. He couldn't see it. But he wanted what he couldn't see. So he started calling out. He had heard So he started calling out, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. A man that could not see, but yet desired what he could not see. A man that was not seen by others. You're, not, you're, you're nothing when you, you're blind and you're, you're just nobody. Nobody sees you. But he wanted something he couldn't see. But even though he couldn't see and others couldn't see him, Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him. Even though he couldn't see, Jesus saw him. Even though others couldn't see him, Jesus saw him. Right? The eyes of the Lord are on you in spite of the circumstances, your current circumstances. Jesus saw him. And when Jesus sees you, all things become possible. All possibility becomes reality. Everything is possible just because he sees me. Lord, where are you in this situation that I'm going through? Where are you, Lord? Right here, looking right at you. This close. Lord, do you see me? I see you. My eyes are on you. I see the loyalty of your heart. I see you. You may not see how, but I see you. You may not see how. Others may not understand. They may not see in you, but I see you, says the Lord this morning. Often I'm confronted with the fact that uh, everything I do every morning, every day, I have to wake up with this mindset. Everything I do must be for an audience of one. Everything I do, until I get to that place of maturity that, that I understand that everything that I do must be for an audience of one. That's what really matters because he sees me. When I get to that place, then I start to enter into a place of peace and I start to go like, yeah, the Lord sees me. Yes, this is going on, but he sees me. His eyes are on me. He knows what I'm doing. He knows my going and coming. He knows my laying down, my rising up. He knows where I am. He knows the deepest places of my heart. He sees me. The eyes of the Lord see me. For those of you that have had kids like us, 
you know, you take your kids to the park, right, when they're little, and then you say, okay, go play, and they're all excited, and they run out of the car, and they go play, and, and they're out there just jumping, going crazy, and you sit there just like on the side, right? And they're playing and playing and playing, and every, every 10, 15 minutes, in the midst of their excitement, they look at you. They do eye contact with you just to make sure you see them. Try to go to the bathroom or go to the car and take a break for five minutes. They panic. Right? If they don't see you, they're like, ah! Where's my dad and my mom? Right? They just need that assurance that you, your eyes are on them. And if, if your eyes are, if they know you're looking, all good. If they're playing a game and they know you're looking, they play better. Because your eyes are on them. The eyes of the Lord are on you. I, you know, I, I could just sit down right now and be done. That's basically the core of the message. The eyes of the Lord are on you, and he sees you. He sees you. He sees you. Others may not see you, but he sees you. His eyes are on you, and if his eyes are on you, you no longer live in this place of like, oh, well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. No, 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 no. We are called to live and to dwell in a realm of possibility. Everything is a possibility because his eyes are on me. He sees me. He sees me. We already know 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes on what is unseen. Because what is seen is, goes away, changes all the time, right? But what is unseen is what really matters. It's what really stands. It's what really really important see for for this blind man on the side road all the way to jericho for him what he couldn't see was really the most important thing not what he could see because he was blind it was what he couldn't see that was really really big that's what he desired and he called out for it so cool It's not what people can see and do. It's not what others can see you do or what you can see them do. Because I'm blind anyway. So what I really need is what I can't see. Jesus. He couldn't see him. And he called out to Jesus. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen. Because the things that are seen are temporary. And the things that are unseen, those are eternal Right? He did just that. He searched for what he couldn't see. But let me take you to a place here that goes beyond what we can see. We spend so much time, so much concern, so much energy into building like a bulletproof future where people can see us, where we can find some significance, where, where we're part of something. As if we could save each other. And we get disappointed because sometimes we don't get the recognition. People don't see us the way we want them to see us. And in relationships, in church, in so many, so many levels. But I'm here today to tell you that the eyes of the Lord see you. He knows you're laying down. He knows you're rising up. He knows every thought before it enters your mind. He knows your address. He knows your DNA. He knows the name of your children. He counts the hairs of your head. 
He knows when you're tired. He knows when you pray. He knows what you're going to pray before you pray. And his eyes are on you. He's searching the earth every day looking for hearts that are filled with loyalty. Not for people that are super duper gifted and able to do this and that and that and that. He's looking for loyalty. God is looking for loyalty to then show himself strong on your behalf. Um, I fly and I have this cool, cool app on my iPad now. I was using it in a, on a plane on the way here. And you can basically put, you know, a little live, go online and everything and put like a live uh, picture of the United States. And it tells you how many airplanes are flying, who's flying where, what speed, what height, blah, blah, blah. It tells you everything. Let me tell you this. This is very cool. At any given time in the United States, 23,000 scheduled flights take off and land every single day in American airports. 23,000. At any given time, 5,000, any, any time of the day, 5,000 of those airplanes are simultaneously airborne above our heads. Right now, as we're speaking, there's 5,000 airplanes above our heads moving 500 miles an hour at 30,000 feet. <laughs> Think about it. That's crazy. That's like 100 years ago when they were writing books. That was the stuff that was impossible. That was never going to happen, right? Science fiction. This is about an average of 1 million people moving above our heads at 30,000 feet at 500 miles per hour every hour of the day. 1 million people. Imagine out of that 1 million people are praying prayers to God and asking God things simultaneously. Okay, just try to picture that in your mind. I'm trying to give you a practical picture of what God is doing, looking for loyalty. So, so, so with that one million people that are moving all the time, nonstop, how many are praying and asking God and, and speaking to the Lord about different things and details and, and, you know. So, Lord, simultaneously, right? And do you think God missed something about your day? In your life, do you think the eyes of the Lord missed a detail of something you prayed? When he's handling this much volume? Every one of those people that are praying and every one of us that are here this morning, here's what the scripture says. Can you guys go to that Colossians scripture? Listen to this. This is mind-blowing. Listen to this. He, meaning Jesus, is before all things. And in him, in him, all things do what? Hold together. Jesus holds all this together. It's by him that we move. Book of Acts, right? It's by him we move. We have our being. We're able to do everything we do. But listen, listen. This is crazy. He, it's him that holds everything together. If he's able to take this, man, he's busy every day. But he, if he's able to take all this and hold it together, what can he not do for you? What, what do you think you would miss about your day? You know, the eyes of the Lord are on you. He's watching everything you're doing. 
as I used my app, I was telling Tilly, this is ridiculous. Anyone can just get an app like this, click, and know everything about everybody. Know who's going where, what time, and what speed, and what. It's crazy. We're so vulnerable with technology right now. But everybody can see it. And I begin to understand, man, the eyes of the Lord see all this. God has this view, you know, over all this. And he receives this humongous data in prayers. Oh, coming to heaven. And he responds. And then God makes a bold statement. I see you in the midst of all this. I see you, Gary. The eyes of the Lord see you. Well, God is very busy, but he sees you. Oh, my goodness. And in him and by him. He holds all things together. We may look all put together, but it's him that holds us together. Right? <laughs> no, listen, yeah, this morning we all showed up all put together, right? <laughs> but if it wasn't for Jesus, <laughs> every time we pray for somebody that has a problem, a physical issue, something to deal with, I think about this. Thank you, sir. Our body contains 206 bones, 650 muscles, 50 billion cells. When you pray, Lord, this pain right here, and you're trying to describe to the person that's praying for you, it's kind of here, there, my leg. And, and can you imagine the detail that when, when God says, my eyes are on you, I see you, I hold you together. Can you imagine what God is thinking when he receives that prayer? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so listen, when, when and every time we pray, this is what I've been like understanding from the Lord. I've, I've arrived at this, this great place. Every time we pray, there's a Genesis moment and a Revelation moment in our prayer. The beginning of your prayer is that Genesis moment, the beginning of all things where everything seems impossible, where our faith begins to confront impossibility. Where you pray things where people go like, yeah, yeah, you're thinking like Genesis. You're thinking like 5,000 years, 7,000 years ago. This is ridiculous, you know. Yeah, it's a Genesis moment, right? Sometimes it feels like a long time between Genesis and Revelation where possibility overthrows impossibility because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. And I begin to think about this. What's the difference between impossibility and possibility because we are called to live in the realm of possibility because his eyes are on you therefore everything is a possibility with God when everybody says well game over now it's like game on because his eyes see me you know so what's the difference between impossibility and possibility and I begin to look at the words I wrote them down because I'm a visual person and I started looking at them and I looked and I looked and I realized oh there's only one difference between these two words if you spell it, impossibility and possibility, it's the I am, you know, when you start spelling I am, P, S, it just takes the I am out of it and it becomes possibility. I am tired. I am discouraged. I am not sure. I am broken. I am feeling this. I think this. I am, I am, if you remove the I am from the word impossibility, it becomes the word possibility. Isn't that cool? 
If you remove the I am from the thing, it becomes possible. We are called to dwell in a realm of possibility because his eyes are on you. Listen, every time you pray, there's a genesis and there's a process that removes the I am into possibility. And then you arrive at revelation. We all want revelation. We all want gifting. We all want to be seen in this place of blessing. We all post the best days of our lives. We all want people to see us looking good. We all want people to know we are stable. We are doing great. We all want to be on demand. But there's a process between Genesis and Revelation where God has to remove the I am out of the way, the unbelief. To bring us to a place of possibility. And we live as possibility thinkers. You are here in this community to be a possibility. You are a possibility of hope. Uh, this church in Lawrence is a possibility of hope. Right? Right? Wyndham, this church in Wyndham is a possibility that God will bring revival back to America. Oh, there's possibilities. Hallelujah. But he's removing us. The process between Genesis and Revelation is removing the I am. (laughs) So that all things become possible. And we actually join Jesus in this thing that everything is possible if he's in it. (laughs) There's a process that sometimes it hurts. But the word for this morning is this. Do not give up. Do not run from growth. Is removing the I am from you because there's already one that is the I am. When they ask him, who are you? I am. Whoa, you start thinking of all this, it's like, whoa. He's removing the I am from me because he's the I am. And I'm on my way to my revelation. I'm on my way to be that son and daughter that lives my divine call and God will stop at nothing to remove you from darkness and from brokenness and bring you back to the original plan that is designed for you. You, I'm telling you, he'll do everything, even sending his own son, even, even changing, rearranging heaven, sending his own son to trade his life for yours. God will do anything to get you. He will pursue you over the hills and down to the sea. He will do whatever. He will change heaven to get you. (laughs) Listen, during this process between Genesis and Revelation, God begins to bring you to a place where you go beyond understanding, where faith begins to defile the imagination of humanity and of impossibility. Because by the time you get to a place where God is working you, you go like, no, it's not about I am broken and I am undone and I am tired and I am overwhelmed and I am. It's about about who he is. It's, it's about the I am and, and all things are possible. Why would you be so confident? Because his eyes are on me. Because he holds me together. Because he sees me. Hallelujah. Well, but the pastor didn't really notice. That's okay. He's only one little guy in this whole thing. Well, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to anything in this house because they don't see me. It's okay. God sees you. His eyes are on you. He sees you. Oh, Bartimaeus, you're just a blind man, poor, dirty, on a side road to Jericho. Who even sees you? Who are you? Jesus saw me. (laughs) He saw me. He saw me and he stopped the crew. He stopped the caravan. He said, hold on now. And he turned around and his eyes looked at me. (laughs) Jesus will even stop the great to look at the broken. Just love that picture. All the excitement. Jesus says, whoa, whoa, stop, 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 stop. Hey, 
His eyes saw me. <laughs> so listen. In between your Genesis moment and your Revelation moment. You might be in a Joseph moment right now where your brothers have abandoned you. He sees you. You might be in a David moment where the promise God gave you seems impossible at this point. And you just can't see. You just can't see it. You just, I don't know. I don't see how. I'm telling you, he sees you. You don't see how, but he sees you. (laughs) And that's enough. That settles it. Right? He sees me. He sees me. When I walk out this building, he sees me. When I go back and talk to my son, he sees me. When I talk to my daughter, he sees me. When I go to work tomorrow, he sees me. When I go lay down, he sees me. When I get up on Tuesday, he sees me. His eyes are on me. I'm okay. I'm fine. (laughs) Maybe you are in a Ruth and Naomi moment where you've lost everything. And you're saying, what the heck? God, now what? Now what? Oh, the Lord would say to you, I see you. My eyes are on you. (laughs) I see you. I see you. I see you. Maybe you are in a Jonah moment where it's dark down there. It's cold. It feels like a belly of a big fish. And there's no one to talk to. All the people that you were looking to, to receive affirmation. All the people that you wanted them to see you. They're not paying any attention to you. Even there, he sees you. His eyes are on you. And one of these days, God will do to you what he did to Jonah. He'll take you and spit you in the right beach, in the wrong, in the right direction. <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. So listen, don't you quit between your Genesis and your Revelation moment. Don't you quit. Listen to me. Quitting is the short-term answer to discomfort related to growth, change, and advancement. Quitting is the short-term answer to discomfort related to growth, change, and advancement. But listen, it's blind to the long discomfort of a life of regret. Don't you ever quit what you're doing. And I know, I know the Lord is speaking to some of you this morning. Don't you quit what you're doing. Don't quit. You're right. You're being faced with growth. You're being challenged to a greater place, right? Here's what I've learned from my life. Every divine assignment has a shelf life every divine assignment has a shelf life every problem has an expiry date and every season has a purpose every divine assignment has a shelf life every problem has an expiry date and every season has a purpose leave the service this morning with this mindset I dwell in a realm of possibility I live in a realm of possibility because his eyes see me because his eyes see me take confidence in this his eyes see you he sees you he sees you he sees you we are to be the people that see possibility in every adversity why would you say that because he sees me God sees me he knows me he made me he put me together he knows what I need Oh, it's like, it's like dads sitting at the park looking at their sons. And when their sons look back, there's dad. I'm here. I got you. Play. Play hard because I'll take you home after this. And mama will make you a hot meal. You'll be safe. That's why the kid looks back. He goes like, my daddy's here. It's all good. I'm in the mud. It's raining. But oh, we got to go home. No, that all done. Let me play some more. It's muddy and messy. But my daddy is here with me. I'm okay. 
He's going to take me home. <laughs> I'll tell you, God is removing all this unbelief from us. God is bringing us to a place of revelation. And God is destroying, robbing us from our unbelief because he loves us to, to a place of passion. And Oh, it's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Um, I'll close with this. I grew up with a mother that would come to my room when I was like 13, 14 years old. She'd come and speak in tongues over me and wake me up. And when you're 13 and 14, that irritates you, you know. And she would come and start prophesying, the Lord told me you're going to be a man of God. And I'm like, Mom, just please. I just went to bed at 6.30 a.m., you know, just like, no. And then she would come and blah, 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 blah. And I remember one thing distinguishedly. She would say to me all the time, listen, stop running from God. It's no use. The eyes of the Lord are on you. I'm praying for you. He sees you. And I would, I would listen to that and go like, well, how do you run from that? You know, the eyes of the Lord see you. He sees you. He sees you. Even if I'm not there, he sees you. Huh. Hallelujah. It's in the midst of our hardest, most difficult seasons that possibility is conceived and opportunity is perceived in the hardest places the places we pray that God will remove us from those are the places that possibility is conceived and that all this opportunity is perceived in the presence of God hallelujah um, remove yourself from the red race and walk back to a place of peace. Jesus said, this peace I give you. I've come from heaven to bring you this transaction, this gift. I'm giving you peace. Take it. Receive it. Walk yourself back out of the craziness into a place of peace with this one mindset. He sees me. The eyes of the Lord are on me. He knows my laying down, my rising up. He knows the thoughts of my head. He knows the desires of my heart. He knows what I'm praying. He knows my address. He knows my DNA. He knows my life. He knows where I am. He knows, he knows, he knows. And his eyes are on me. Amen. God bless you. Come on, let's respond to this word. Come on, open your heart and say, Lord, I receive this. I receive that your eyes are on me. Take away the I am, God. And just take your I am, who you are, and just lay it at the cross and say, I'm done. I'm giving you a chance to breathe upon my heart and let the impossibilities become possibilities because I'm submitting myself and giving my life to you. Come on, just take a second here and just give your heart to him. Just lay down that will and say, God, your will be done. Take my life. Come on.